You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Yes, Lord Jesus. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, this morning that you are faithful. Lord, when we've been faithless, Lord, you've still been faithful. Lord, when we let you down, Lord, you never let us down. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are steadfast. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. We thank you, Lord, that you promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, we can lean upon that this morning. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Come on, let's thank the Lord while you're doing that, if you can. Great to see you all this morning. Do you like the shirt? Someone said they couldn't see me when I was stood in front of them flowers out there. Just so when preached a bad sermon, I can hide. Well, it's good to be in the house of God today, isn't it? Do you know God can do a miracle in your life today? Do you believe that? You know, his word is steadfast, isn't it? And um, well, let's not restrict God this morning in your life. Please don't come into church thinking you know it all and, you know, I don't need God today. Yeah, you do. We all need the Lord every day of our life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak fresh to us today. Lord, whatever you want to say to us, Holy Spirit, would you take your word and you deposit it in our life? And I pray, Lord, that when we know the truth today, the truth will set us free. Lord, there's nothing like your truth. So, Father God, I pray today that chains will be broken, Lord, over our lives. Lord, I pray, God, if there's anything holding us back, from fulfilling your purpose in our life today, Lord, that you would do a miracle in our hearts and our mind. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, Mark's Gospel will be on the screen. If you've got a phone or a Bible in any of those applications, then you are free to read that. Mark 14. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You are also with the Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. He said and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, he said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus that he had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And then Peter broke down and wept. In Luke's gospel, it tells that Peter, Jesus looked at Peter while he was in the courtyard 
And then Peter remembered the words that Jesus had said. And it says that Peter wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. When you read John's account, it tells us that um, there was another disciple with him, if you read that. And as they go to the courtyards, Peter wasn't allowed in. But because the other disciple, who he doesn't mention, it could be John, who knew the, the, one of the people that's in charge of the courtyard, they let them in. So this disciple comes back and lets Peter in. And that's where Peter begins to follow and follows Jesus from a distance while he's being questioned. And so when we look at this story, um, Mark's gospel begins to um, start early with Peter's calling from Jesus. If you read through the gospel, Jesus walks past the shore, sees Peter and says to him, follow me. From now on, you will catch men. So Peter starts a journey with Jesus, experiences amazing teaching, his miracles. And also, Jesus is, um, includes Peter in, in one of the three. There, there's 12 disciples, um, but Jesus has sort of different kinds of groups. And there's Peter, James, and John who somehow um, have a privilege of doing things that the other disciples didn't do. And so it's all because that, that, that you know, Jesus didn't have like, sort of favorites, but he realized that those three were going to be pillars of the church. And so they needed to experience some different things for their discipleship and their growth. So Jesus took the, this, these three up the mountain where they had a transfiguration and experienced the glory of God. The other disciples didn't experience that down below. But Peter had the privilege of that. And also in the garden, when Jesus was crying out to his father, with, with drops of blood coming from his head, seeing his humanity and his fear of going to the cross. Peter also experienced those moments. But when you look at Peter's life, if you read about it, it's, he did some incredible things. You know, he's the one that got out the boat where the other disciples stayed in the boat. Even though he sank a little bit, he still had the faith to say to Jesus, if it's you, I'm going to come. So, I mean, that would be a great testimony, wouldn't it? If you got up and go, do you know what? I've walked on water. We wouldn't believe you, but, you know, it'd be difficult to believe that. But actually, Peter did that. He walked on water. What a great testimony that is that the other disciples never had. The other testimony that he did have was when Jesus said to them, like, who do you men say that I am? You know, that was the whole process of walking with Jesus, that you walk enough with Jesus that you actually know who he really is, that we get to know him better. And, you know, our faith and our walk with God depends on knowing Jesus, who he really is. So he's been with the disciples for a while now, and he says, right, who do men say that I am? Some said, well, you're a teacher, you're a prophet. And so they still didn't get him. You know, it's a shame sometimes in church life that you come to church, but you still don't get Jesus. You can be around the teaching, be around the people, but you still don't get who Jesus really is in your life, that he's God. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher, he is God. That's the difference with Christianity, that Jesus is more than a prophet, he's more than a teacher, but he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus didn't rebuke Peter for saying that. He said, wow, Peter, that's amazing. But flesh and blood did not reveal to you that from heaven, but it was my father that did that. So he got commended for actually having revelation of who Jesus really was. And so when you can see of all these great things and in his life, you would, you would say to yourself, do you know something? When you skip to Acts, the book of Acts, and you see Peter preaching this amazing 15, 20 minute message, and 3,000 people getting saved, 
you would, you would go, wow, he's such a man of God. No wonder God used him. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it, that, that Mark, who was a disciple of Peter, didn't leave Peter's failure out of the gospel. Because, you know, many of us think that we have to live up to such a spiritual level that unless we get there, God can't use us. But the reason why the Lord and the Holy Spirit allowed people's failures in the Bible is to realize that you're going to also bump into those failures in your life because you're not perfect. So we will have victories, but also because of our humanity, we're also going to have failures. So there wasn't one person in the Scriptures, apart from Enoch, that walked with God then was not. Didn't have enough time to make a mistake. But the rest of them, Moses, David, all of them, all of them made a mess of stuff, but did great things for God. And I want to say to you, on your walk with Jesus, there's going to be some times that you are going to sort of trip up. You're going to sort of make a, a mess of some things. Um, hold on. Let me put that in a second. How's that? That's better. You're going to make a mess of some things in your life. But it's knowing how to get over that situation. So I wonder today, in this room, about your life. I mean, do you tick off your victories? Um, but is your failures outweigh your victories? Because those things can weigh you down, can't they? Like trying to live up to an expectation or live up to a level that you don't cut every week of your life. And the devil does a great job of making sure you know about that you're not like. So, how are you feeling today? How is your life? How's your life? Have you done a good week? Or have you messed up a little bit? Because the thing is, in life, you know, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you read, you are going to make mistakes. So it's really important that you know some things. First of all, uh, what does it show us about Peter's life? I'm really pleased that Mark, Matthew, um, Luke and John didn't leave out Peter's biggest mistake of his life. Why? Because it teaches us a lesson. Number one, lesson is that pride comes before a fall. What happened to Peter is, because of his privileges and because of the exposure of Jesus, he got a big head. Why? Because you can read his journey through the scriptures. I mean, if you think about this, that Peter's response to Jesus shows you that he was getting a bit proudful. In other words, that he thought he was overconfident. Our speaker last week said that we need to be confident, but you don't need to be overconfident. You know, it borders on arrogance. It borders on pride that you can do this without God in your life. And so, you know, that's why people don't give their life to Jesus, because they say, we don't need God. That's called pride. Don't need him. And my question to you today is that you may have given your life to Jesus, but what part of your life is not committed to allowing God in it? Where, whereabouts in your life do you rely on him? Is it all of your life or part of it? Because the thing is, if you think you can live this Christian life without Jesus, you're in for a big shot. You're about to experience a fall. But here's the good news. Jesus will allow you to fall so he can make you into a better disciple. It's amazing that Jesus didn't stop him from making a mess of his commitment, but he allowed him to do it because he wanted to shape Peter to be more self-aware about his weaknesses. The thing is, it's awesome to know about your strengths. But if you don't know your weaknesses, you have a blind spot 
that will trip you up as you go forward into your future. So you've got to be self-aware. You've got to get good people around your life who can help you with your blind spots. So it will not, not to condemn you, but to help you grow. So when you go for it, those things won't trip you up. You know, every person that's fell in Scripture was nothing to do with their gifting. Every minister that you will know in your life that's, that's fallen from ministry has had nothing to do with his gift. It's all to do with their character. Okay? Not, not, no one's been really disciplined, apart from false teachers, disciplined of like preaching a message. It's all about their character. Either dealing with money the wrong way, having fair affairs and all that kind of stuff, and power. The three things that will knock us down, the temptation that will come. And we've got to be self-aware in our lives that we are not all together. We haven't 100% got it made, that we need God in our lives every day of our lives. And so here is a glimpse of Peter's life, Mark 8. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. You'd be astounded. Over the years of ministry, over 30 years now, that I've talked to some Christians and said to them, if you carry on like this, you're going to end up in trouble. And they've rebuked me, because God is going to just bless them of their lifestyle, which is contrary living to the word of God. And they didn't listen to sound instruction. So here's Peter. Here's Jesus saying, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected by the elders. And uh, after they kill me, I'm going to raise from the dead after three days. So here's Peter now, one of these great apostles, has amazing revelation of Jesus, goes to Jesus and said, Jesus, it says, Jesus spoke plainly about this. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Jesus. Wow. It's a bit arrogant, isn't it? Here we see the wheels falling off Peter's life. As revelation from God, you are the Christ. Got a bit big-headed. Oh, I'm one of the three. I'm visiting the mountain and the glory. Praise the Lord. God's going to build the rock on my confession of faith that he is the Christ. I'm going to be a, an elder in the church. Hallelujah. But then his pride got hold of him. And then he tried to tell Jesus what to do. What a big shock Peter was going to get next. So he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Have you ever had a rebuke like that from your pastor? <laughs> Not yet. I mean, you can imagine now, wouldn't you? They'd be writing, wouldn't they? Complain. You know, the pastors, you know, rebuked me, told Satan to get behind him. Jesus wasn't really bothered about that, but he realised that it's an amazing thing that God can use you now, and in 10 minutes, so can the devil. If you allow pride to get to your head. Wow, that's a revelation, isn't it? One minute heaven speaks to him, the next minute the devil speaks to him. All because he allowed the revelation to go to his nut to think he was higher than he ought to be. So we've got to be on level ground, guys. We've got to know that when God uses us 
or we get blessed. It's not because of how great we are. It's because of how great he is. And whatever God does for your life, if you don't give him back the glory, you can't take what belongs to God. So I don't care how much people put you on social media. It won't be long before you fall because God will not share his glory with anybody. And so, but God wanted to do something in Peter's life to help him grow over his pride so he'd be more effective in the future because Peter had no idea he was going to preach the great sermon on the day of Pentecost. He had no idea he was going to write two books of the New Testament. No idea. But Jesus thought, if I don't deal with this pride, he's never going to get there. And you see, some Christians, they want to do great things for God, but they won't allow God to deal with stuff in their life. And God loves you too much to let you go there because that thing in your life will kill you when you do get there. So God's got to do some discipleship, some character development inside of you. No matter how anointed you are, no matter how gifted you are, God's got to do some homework on here so when you arrive at where you need to be, that old nature is not going to trip you up for your future. So God was investing in Peter by allowing him to make a big mistake, a biggest mistake of his life. And so get a few more glimpses. Jesus said to the disciples, stay here and watch and pray. Be back in an hour. Comes back, Peter, he said, are you asleep? Of course he was asleep. Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? This is the guy that's going to like, you know, die for Jesus. He can't even go for a prayer meeting for an hour. Falls asleep. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to tell you, everyone in this room, your flesh is weak. And if you don't manage it, it will manage you. Okay? You've got to know your limitations so you don't go places that feed your flesh because it will wipe you out. So temptation is, the devil can't tempt you in areas of strength. He'll only tempt you in areas of weakness, of appetite. That will feed you. And so that's why we need to commit our weaknesses to God and say, Lord, don't let me get tempted. Now, pride, God, the devil will feed your strength and tell you how great you are and how amazing you are and the church can't do without you and Jesus can't do without you. You know, and you believe all that nonsense because I want to tell you something. God really doesn't need me. I have the privilege at the moment of leading this church. And if I go, he's got another 20 people waiting to take over. God, God isn't short of people serving him. You know, Elijah had that big problem, didn't he? He said, Lord, I'm the only one that's doing this. You've killed all the prophets. He says, get on your bike, Elijah. He said, I've got 7,000 that's never bowed their knee to me yet. Get a life. And so, listen, we are not doing God a favor by serving him. Come on. It's a privilege. It's an absolute privilege to get involved in the kingdom that God would enroll me and you to follow him and serve him because there's a lot more people that don't even know Jesus that's more gifted than you, educated than you and got more money than you. And you're in the room today. So you want to thank God that he's called you to serve him. And so we see a last little bit. Jesus said, you're going to fall away, told them all, for it is written, the word of God, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into, the, into Galilee. And Peter declared, here we go, even if all fall away, I 
See, pride, I will not. Jesus said, okay. Truly, Peter, truly, I'm really telling the truth. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Peter insisted emphatically. Thank you for putting that in the Bible. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Anybody ever said something to God like that on Sunday, on a Monday, change your mind? Come on. Lord, I'm going to give when I get home. When you get home, you go, oh no, change my mind. It was an emotional moment. We say that, don't we? It's an emotional moment. It's just hype. They made me feel that way. No, you made a genuine commitment to Jesus. And you didn't follow through. We're no different to Peter because we all do it. Lord, I'll go anywhere for you, but send me to Jamaica where the sun shines, but don't take me to Northampton. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, guys, I'm so thankful that God doesn't take me serious all the time when I'll tell him I'll do anything what he wants me to do until he asks me and I go, oh, dear Lord. See, I love it about Abraham. Why he was a friend of God is whenever God spoke to him, he did it quickly. He said, Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice your son for me. The Bible says early in the morning, he got up and went. God loves that. God loves a quick response to obedience. But here is Peter now telling God he's got it wrong. Oh. Have you ever done that? Have you ever challenged God's promises over your life? When God says, if you do that, I'll do this. And you go, no, you got it wrong. And no wonder you don't see the blessing of God. Because you know better than him. Because Peter thought he did. No, Jesus, you're not right. I'm never going to do that. You are talking about God now. Telling Peter, who, know more, who knows more about Peter than Peter does. His creator. He's saying, Peter, I know you better than you know yourself. And before tonight, you're going to disown me. Three times. And then Peter goes up another level. Another level. Peter, you should have stopped there. But he insisted emphatically. He made a right spectacle of himself then. Even if I have to die with you. I will never disown you. You see, church, I really don't know if the Lord allowed temptation to come to my life, whether I would pass the test or not. I don't know until that temptation comes. I can never be so arrogant to say that I've covered every base that I'm not going to fall because I don't know myself that well until I'm put in a position to find out what is really in me. And the thing is, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need to say, okay, Lord, if you've said it, I have to trust that. That's, Lord, if you say it, I believe you. You know more about me than myself. If you tell me I can do it, I'm going to do it. If you tell me that I'm going to not do it, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to trust you. Because humility is, is trusting in God. It's not trusting your education 
or your bank balance, even though it's good to have those things, or your gift, because they're given by God anyway. Your trust needs to be rooted in Jesus and in his word, because we don't know ourselves. So Peter was about to have the biggest fall of his life. And so before that night left, he was challenged. Please listen to me. An hour earlier, he's cutting off ears from soldiers with a sword. Let's fast forward. He's being, he's running from God by a little slave girl. You see what happens? All of a sudden, he's faced with the reality to say, okay, Peter, let's really see if you can follow through on what you just declared. And when the temptation and challenge came, Peter bottled it. I think I would too. I think I would have done. I don't know whether I would have even been in that courtyard because the rest of them went before that. And so I'm thinking, Peter, God bless you. I know you had got a big God, but I bet you wish you never said that. And I bet you felt such pain when Jesus locked eyes with you and that rooster crowed a second time and that was your third denial. And then you went out of that courtyard and you wept your heart out. Have you ever done something in your life that you regretted so much that it breaks your heart? Because that's what Peter did. And the Bible says he went back fishing. All his dreams gone. All the promises over his life disappear. And he's walking around with a limp of regret in his heart. Why? Because he really did love the Lord. He really did. And he broke his promise. And it broke his heart. And he goes back fishing. His master's dead. His hopes are gone. And he lives with a shadow every day of his life, waking up, locking eyes with Jesus in his memory of letting his saviour down. And the thing is, church, in your life today, there may be things that you've done in your life that haunt you. There may be regrets in your life that you're sitting here with. And every time you want to do something great for God or do anything good in your life, that regret surfaces to the top of your life and haunts you and holds you back. But Jesus didn't allow Peter to fall to leave him in the dirt. Jesus allowed Peter to go through a discipleship process to change him, to transform him, so he could fulfill his purpose in God. That's why Peter, in, the, in his letters, says this, these have come, he talks about all kinds of grief and suffering and trials. He said, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. You see, in that moment of his life of failure, he carried the pain of regret but didn't realise later he would write about it because he'd come out the other side being restored by the grace of God. And I don't know whether you're in this room today, but Mark's gospel does not tell us about Mark's recommitment back to him or Jesus forgiving him. He cuts it out. But I, I want to say something to you today. You may be living with regret in your life. 
Maybe you've made mistakes and you just think I'm so tormented and I can't get free of that thing that's happened to me or what I've done. And I just wish, and every time you think about it, you feel depressed, disarmed, um, no hope in your life and you're just immobilized and the devil feeds on that. And he's the accuser of the brethren. He'll tell you that you deserve not to go any further in the kingdom, that you deserve to live with the punishment of your regret for the rest of your life. And the devil is a liar. I want to tell you here today, I'm going to announce something for you in this room and you online. If you're in this room and you're online and you're living with regret, I don't care if it's before you met Jesus. And that regret stopping you from serving God and going 100% for him. I'm here to destroy the works of the devil and allow the Holy Spirit to set you free. Because there's one little verse in Mark, apart from not describing Peter's restoration... Mark 16 says, but go tell the disciples. This is how Jesus raised from the dead, okay? He says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Wow. He didn't name the other disciples, but he named Peter. Why? Because he wanted Peter to hear that Jesus never forgot about him. He wanted Peter to hear that Peter is including included in the encounter that's coming in his life. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me this week, that word is for somebody in this room and online. Go tell the disciples and whoever your name is that needs to hear it today, that God hasn't forgot you because of your mistake in your life, that God has not forgotten you because you live with this regret, but God is here by his spirit to set you free and deliver you from that pain and memory of your mistake. That's the Jesus that we serve today. How do I know that? Because thank God for Luke, Matthew and John, because they record the restoration of Peter. How does it happen? I just love it. Here's Peter, depressed, living with regret, fishing, catching no, no fish at all. And you know, I realised that, you know, when you mess up in your life serving Jesus and things start to go wrong, you then say, well, no wonder God's against me. Uh, you know, I don't deserve blessing now because of what mistake I've made. And I can imagine Peter fishing all night. That's what the Bible tells us. He's fished all night and catch nothing. And I'm thinking in his mind, he's thinking, well, it serves me right. Shouldn't have denied him. You know, I was, God's not going to bless me now because I've made a mess of my life. And I only know that when you just, you know, you're walking with God and you're doing all the right things, then God can bless me. But there's no way that he's doing that because this really proves that God's against me because I fished all night and I'm a fisherman and I know how to catch fish. But at the moment, nothing's happening. So he's living with regret and he's actually not producing any fruit in his business. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice on the beach. See, what's astounding about our Jesus that he makes the first move all the time. It's not that you're looking for him, but he's looking for you. And if you've made the biggest mistake in this room, Jesus is on the shore of your life calling out to you today. And this is what he says to Peter. Hey, how are you doing? And Peter's like, is this the Lord? He said, listen, why don't you try casting on the other side? So Peter didn't even respond and said, I've learned a, lot, a lesson. 
to try and correct Jesus because I know I've been here all night and caught nothing. So I'm not going to get involved in that anymore. And so he throws the net on the other side and he catches the biggest catch he's ever caught in his life. So much so, the nets were about to break. So this messes up Peter's theology now. I've made the biggest mistake of my life and God has blessed me. How does that work? See, some of you are programmed like that. Some of you are programmed, if you do good, God will bless you, but if I do bad, God's going to curse you. See, that's bad theology. Really bad theology. If Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for you, how much does he love you? And it's not by work, so no one can boast to get saved. And even though we want to walk out of obedience to God, his grace and his mercy is thrown upon your life, not because of you, because of who he is. So Peter, I'm not blessing you because you've been a good boy. I'm blessing you because I love you unconditionally. And I'm blessing you because I'm the blesser. And I want to get your attention. I love it that when we make a mistake in our life, and I'll tell you, but Peter was really genuine about repentance. I'm not talking about now you come to church, confess your sins, and on next, as soon as you get out of that door, you do it again. That, that's not repentance. That, that's not the way to be a follower of Jesus if you know him. But I'm talking about if you know you live with regret because you've asked God to forgive you so many times, you carry the pain and you wish you could turn back the clock. That's what Peter was thinking about. So Jesus blesses him. He says, look, I'm still with you, Peter. I'm still going to provide for you. Just throw your nets on the other side. Then he says, right, come. So, the, so Peter puts his clothes on, jumps out and swims to the shore. And as he gets on the shore, Jesus does an amazing thing. He says, come on, I've made you breakfast. Would you do that? The God of heaven makes him breakfast after denying him. Would you do that? No, we wouldn't do that. We'd want to make him grovel. We want to make them pay for them abandoning us, for not honouring their word to us. But Jesus didn't do that. He says, come on, Pete, I'm going to feed you, and then I'm going to talk to you about your life and about your future. And so Peter's thinking, I can't believe this. Look at the fish. Now Jesus is making me breakfast. What is he going to say to me? He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. See, Peter's broken now. He's saying to Jesus, whatever you know. He says, I love it. The third time he says, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. There you go. Discipleship moment ended. Peter's now ready. Why? Because he's realized whatever Jesus says, he agrees with. Lord, you know all things. But do you know when I said that in the garden? I didn't really know what I was talking about. So humility came. Then Jesus went, now you're ready. Now go feed my sheep. And he recommissions him back into ministry. And then he preaches the best sermon on the day of Pentecost. Listen, with no guilt, with no shame. Because he said, you wicked men have put Jesus to the cross. He's full of boldness. Why? Because Jesus dealt with his regret and allowed him to recommission him for his purpose. So what about you today? Are you sitting in this room? Are you living with regret? Shame? Every time you want to step out of faith, that voice reminds you, that incident comes to your surface of your mind and thinking, I'm never going to get free of this. Well, today is your day. 
Today is your day that God wants to deliver you from those things so you can run for him. No longer be immobilized by your past and your failure. Stand together. As the worship team comes to sing, turn it around. In this song, I want you to just commit what it is. If this is you in this room, it may not apply to everybody or online. You know if it's you that God's speaking to you and you need to allow him to deal with this in your life. You know, it's too heavy for you to carry around anymore. And God's got too much for you to do in your future. There's a story of um, a Scottish mansion where the walls on one room were filled with sketches made by distinguished artists. And on one of the walls, it was freshly decorated, but uh, there was a, pitch, a pitcher of soda water that was accidentally spilt on this wall and it left an ugly stain on it. And at the time, there was a noted, a noted artist that was in this house as a guest. And one day the family had an appointment to go to and this guy stayed behind. And with a few masterful strokes of a piece of charcoal, that ugly spot became the outline of a beautiful waterfall bordered by trees and wildlife. He turned that disfigured wall into one of the most beautiful depictions of life in that area. And I want to tell you whatever it is in your life that stains you. Maybe you don't know Jesus today. But I want to tell you he wants to wash you clean. No matter what you've done in your past, he's here to forgive you. He died for you because he loves you. And he'll take every bit of your mess and he'll turn it around for his good. Because he's an amazing God. And just as that artist removed and added to that spot, and made it a wonderful masterpiece. I want to tell you, he can take your darkest day and your biggest mistake, and he can turn it around for his glory, if you're willing to let him do that. So I'm going to pray for you before we sing this song. You know, the Bible says, and we know that all things work to good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And Peter writes, in the letter that he had privileged to write, says this to the church. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Listen, a holy nation. God's special possession. Let me tell you something in this room. If you're living with guilt, regret, I want to tell you that you are God's special possession and no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived what God has in store for those that love him and you have an amazing future lift your hands with me for those in the room and those online and you know God's speaking to you Holy Spirit I ask you to do a miracle today Lord, I take that mistake and that regret that some people may be living with this morning. And I ask you, Lord, to do a miracle in their spirit and in their mind. 
We take authority over the accuser of the brethren, the devil. And we take captive those lies. And we plead the blood of Jesus over every area, over every mistake, over every regret. And Lord, today through your word, we declare that your people will be set free by the power of the Spirit and the truth of your word. And if you're in this church today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you think, would God ever accept me? I want to tell you, he came just for you because he loves you so much. And he'll wipe away every sin of your life and give you a brand new start. And no matter how bad you've had it in the past, he has a plan for you and a purpose, plans, plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. But you've got to stop relying on yourself and submit to God and say, okay, God, I've lived this life without you up until now, but today I choose to humble myself and I invite you into my life. And from this moment, I'm going to live my life with you in the driving seat. If that's you in this room or online, you can pray a simple prayer in your heart to the Lord and the Holy Spirit will do a miracle in your life. You'll be forgiven of your sins and given assurance of eternal life. And Jesus, by his Spirit, will live, you, live with you and in you from this moment on. Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all my sins. I thank you that you died for me on the cross and took the punishment that I deserved. And this morning, <coughs> I make a decision to give my life to you, to surrender all to you, ask you to lead me from this moment on. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.